Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Britain feels broken, but how do we fix it? Westminster just doesn't seem to have the answers, but we have found some people who do. Join me, journalist Becca Hudson. And me, the former MP Ed Vasey, for How I'd Fix... From the price of a pint to the housing crisis, this is the show where we take an alternative look at the problems plaguing the nation. And hear practical solutions from those in the know. Catch new episodes of Howard Fix wherever you get your podcasts. Rebuilding Britain starts here. Welcome to another sparkling edition of Plank of the Week. We're getting very, very close now to the end of the year. So Plank of the Year, the special, is coming very soon. And I'm delighted to say that we've now got, as well as a plank, a little plaque on the plank, which says Plank of the Week, which was sent in uh, by a fan up in Rotherham last week. So that's very nice. I'm delighted also to say that we've got two stalwarts with us. Dawn Neeson, uh, the most popular woman ever for Plank of the Week. You've been here now more times than anybody else. Mark Dolan, uh, not far behind in the uh, in the stakes. So we're working on this sort of ensemble edition that we're going to do for the top 20 planks of the year. So keep yourselves uh, at least one or two dates free uh, towards Christmas. When, of course, we'll be out of the lockdown. <laughs> Won't we? Good luck with that. Yeah. Speaking, speaking of which, Dawn, why don't we start off with you? Who's going to be your first plank of the week? I am going to go for the most obvious plank of this entire pandemic, probably. Yeah. Boris Johnson. Yep. I'm it's hard sorry. to argue. I, I, this week in particular, he has excelled himself. You know, just grow a pair. Yeah. Seriously, mm-hmm. please. Right. Just all we want in this country now is a strong leader. A leader. Well, Make any kind it, of leader. A leader. Any sort of leader will do. Um, making decisions and actually giving us confidence on yeah. what have we got. We have got a pile of piffle, to use his words. A jellyfish. A jellyfish who, who I, oh, I just, I just want to punch him. You know, the irony is that, you know, Mrs. Boris, um, Carrie Simmons. Sorry, you have to be specific there, obviously. Yeah, obviously there's, quite there's a, a, a long list to be yeah. fair. Um, yeah, but she's called uh, Princess Nut Nuts. So apparently so. The irony is that's the very thing her fiancé needs to grow a pair yes. of. Maybe that was how the name came up in the first place. Was it not, was there not a correction that I saw that it was Nut Nut? It is Nut Nut, yes. Rather than Nut Nuts. Yes, right. yes. Every, it's, it's a single nut, which doesn't surprise me, yeah. I wonder whether the jellyfish of the world should uh, launch a collective legal action against this awful (laughs) slander on their name. Uh, Jellyfish are extremely efficient creatures which carry with them a nasty sting. Uh, Boris has got no sting whatsoever. He's like a pet jellyfish. Well, well, he's not even that. He's a (laughs) bowl of jelly. Yeah. Okay. And I think actually, you know, in the course of uh, this week's planks, I'm sure that Dominic Cummings' name will come up. Lee Kane uh, and Carrie. Simmons, okay. Mm. In the end... Is uh, it Simmons or Simons? I keep hearing people calling it Simons. I call it Simmons. It looks like Simmons to I, me. I call it
the gang of four or three that started mm. the independent. Well, given the fact that she's head of policy, him? head of policy at number ten, I think we ought to know the pronunciation of her name. Don't <laughs> yes, you think? exactly. Well, yes. There's mm. a lot of uh, fake news out there. You see, she may be putting it out that it's a different pronunciation from what it's meant to be. Mm. Well, so, I mean, listen, be. if it's Carrie Simmons running the country, I wouldn't mind that. She may do a better job than Boris. It's, you know, it's always possible. Dylan the dog yeah. would do a better job than yeah. Boris. Yeah. But, but but my point is that actually it's a distraction to uh, criticise or look back at the legacy of Dominic Cummings. It's actually a distraction to criticise Matt Hancock. Uh, or indeed, you know, his young fiance. because in the end, all of these people and their undue influence on the prime minister are a reflection of Boris's weak personality. Mm, Unfortunately, the, the, the people that voted for Boris in December 2019 uh, were missold what Boris Johnson, mm. who yes. Boris Johnson was. Yes. Mm. Uh, the idea is that he was this swashbuckling... Uh, you had you know, to be very careful how you said that. Careful, <laughs> confident figure, yeah. uh, get Brexit done, and that this was a flavour of his dynamic leadership. Yeah. We've had no dynamic leadership, and it's a big problem for the country. So I'm going to let all the people around him off the hook. Dominic Cummings' power over Boris Johnson was a reflection of the problem with Boris himself. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, Boris wants to be Churchillian. Instead, he's just reptilian. I don't reptilian. know why he keeps saying that. It's very true, that reptile. I like that. But this is the other thing, right? You know, why does he now have to replace Dominic Cummings, which is clearly what's happened, with somebody else who tells him what to do? Correct. Because that seems to be where the fight is. It's not about you know, winning Boris over. It's about pinning him down on the ground and putting your foot on his neck and going, now you're going to do this. What sort of man, what sort of man puts up with all this backbiting and gossiping and nastiness right. going on around him. I know. I, and also, That's you know, just... we, we, it's one thing to be uh, sort of have no backbone like Theresa May, who was so reliant on Nick Timothy and Fiona Hill, who were a toxic partnership mm. that co-wrote the worst manifesto since 1983. Yeah. Um, and in, also called for an election where they didn't need to. Yeah. A disaster. Well, yeah, well done. About, Theresa right. May, a decent, honourable and hardworking woman, but uh, again, no no ideology, no centre of gravity no. politically and no, no strength of character. Well, the ultimate issue... Well, although Boris currently is making her look like she has all of those things. I, I, well, I'm of actually course. starting to think that yeah. running through a cornfield or a hayfield yeah, yeah. or whatever it was being specific is actually a, a really good thing to absolutely. do. Absolutely. And let's not forget that she emerged a couple of weeks ago as a heroic figure mm. in Parliament as a, as a lockdown sceptic yeah. voice, yes. you know. So it's a big, big problem. Uh, I think that Boris is in the last chance saloon. Mm. I think uh, among his sort of core, which is a shrinking group. I mm. mean, I, for example, uh, would have feared coming on this show and criticise uh, Boris Johnson maybe two, three months yeah, ago. Such, were, such was the veracity mm. of his fan- fandom. Mm. Right. Now, his, his, the, the ultimate uh, Boris loyalists are few and far between. And he's got are. to win hearts and minds. Yeah, he it's does. Not going to. It's, but it's, of course, it's the finished. other thing to think about with really? him is that so. uh, he has also been written off quite a lot in the past. Mm. And he, has, he does have a sort of survivability factor where he does somehow emerge out of all of this stuff where you know whatever happens in his personal life he seems to brush it by you might remember do you remember that uh, famous um, video sh- of him right cycling home mm, after yeah, he'd true, clearly true. been somewhere he shouldn't have been and the press are waiting there for him and he's like dressed as if he's just got out of bed because he probably has um, and he just sort of walks up the steps gives him a wave and then he goes and you know not much more was said about it um, so I think you, you have to be careful about writing him off only because, mm. only because I think he's surrounded also by spineless jellyfish types. Yeah, I mean, there's well, not there very that. many strong characters, it seems to me, inside of Cabinet. Because if there were, surely they would have all said, enough is enough. Mm. We can't keep locking the place down. Do something different. Mm. Well, I think, though, Boris's uh, core fan base are entrepreneurial, aspirational people across all classes, including yeah. the Red Wall mm. constituencies. People who didn't want to be told, oh, poor you, you need to be looked after by a Labour government. Mm. They rejected uh, Corbyn's communism. Yeah. Um, but what they did want is uh, to start a business or at least to make something of their lives. 
And the problem you've got is that Boris's legacy at the moment with crashing the economy into a brick wall will be destroyed businesses, uh, spiralling unemployment, which is the opposite of what people bought into for Project Boris. Mm. Yes. Mm. And also, uh, he's now self-isolated for 14 days. Right. Not only did we know that there was nothing wrong with him, uh, we suspected there was nothing wrong with him, he's now had a negative test. And he's still going to self-isolate. still got to self-isolate. Well, he says he's got to. He's the Prime Minister. He doesn't have to. Well, I mean, he always goes missing when he's needed, though. That's the problem. I mean, the the timing of this is spectacular, isn't it? Brexit looming, Mm. the mess of the the childish atmosphere that's going on in Number 10. Mm. And what is he doing? But that's the other thing. You know, we've all got jobs which demand that you spend a lot of time and give it a lot of attention, right? Well, we certainly did have them if you don't call the proper jobs that we've got now. But, you know, when you were in newspapers, you know, you wouldn't have rung up on the day that, you know, I don't know, Gianni Versace was shot dead and go, oh, I'm not coming in today. Because you want right. to be there. Okay, why, exactly. he, why would you want somebody running the country who doesn't want to run the country? Exactly. This is you know, a, I can't understand that. It's counterintuitive, that. isn't Because all his life he's wanted to be Prime Minister, and now he is, and mm. he's not well, doing the job. Ultimately, he's shamed by the image of his hero, uh, Winston Churchill, mm. because uh, what a, a leader has to do, especially in wartime, and frankly, we are in a, in a war situation, because this country is facing a fight for its survival. Mm. There is the, the horrible COVID death toll, and that's appallingly tragic, but there's also the... Uh, historic damage that's being done to the economy. Mm. And therefore, he is a wartime leader and he is at the moment fearful of the enemy, which is COVID-19. And he's, he's got to... his missus. Well, th- there's one <laughs> slight problem, which is that we we elect prime ministers to make tough decisions on our behalf. And he's not, he is escaping all tough mm. decisions. And in the end, there's more economic damage, more loss of life as a result of the, the, the COVID consensus, you know. And it's got to change or it will destroy his legacy. I think there's one problem, you know. He's in the grip of fear. Boris Johnson is skint. You know, Boris Johnson is on his uppers. Mm. Um, he's had multiple expensive divorces. He's got kids in private school. Um, and ultimately, I think he's fearful of life after number 10. And that's why he's so risk averse. He's so terrified of that COVID death toll, which he thinks he'll be judged on, which is why the pandemic has now become a political yeah, project. No, totally. I think it, it speaks for having... Well, I must admit, if I was a newspaper editor now, I wouldn't mm. offer him a quarter of a million quid to write a column, no, 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 which no, is no, what he was no. getting before. Yeah. Well, that's it. Funnily enough... I mean, I think... funnily enough, he's busted that particular uh, flush, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and I genuinely think that Boris Johnson is in a a mood of self-preservation now. He's thinking about life after number 10, which, by the way, could be sooner than we all expect. And I think there's an argument for uh, possibly independently wealthy politicians. Someone like Rishi Sunak is a multimillionaire. Mm. He actually has the financial leverage to go into number 10, not be subject to corruption, but also perhaps brave enough to make tough decisions in the national interest. So Boris... You're in the last chance saloon. If you can't man up and get this done, someone else will come in and mm. do it for you. Well, harsh words for the Prime Minister, but uh, let's have your first nomination then. I'm going to give you Uncle Sam. Yes. Well, I'm not inclined to take sides in the US presidential debate, of mm. course. It looks like it's, it's gone Joe Biden's way I'm afraid way now. you have to do that because <laughs> nobody is allowed to be involved in a debate unless you are vehemently... For one and against well, the I other. know, and I'm a little agnostic because I think it is a matter for the American people who they choose to yeah. be their head of state and head of government. Um, ultimately, though, uh, my thoughts are, are twofold. Uh, I'm done with being told America is the greatest country in the world. Yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, the idea that the, the, the best choice the American people could be offered was two septuagenarians, both with significant character flaws in mm. their own right. Mm. Yeah. Um, also, America is currently $27 trillion in debt, 
a lot of that debt owned by the Chinese. Yeah. So, you know, good luck with standing up to China, folks. Mm. Uh, it is the most obese nation in the Western world, the sickest. Uh, 65% of Americans are overweight or obese. Mm. Also, America is now in a, in a, a civil war. The police have been uh, sort of facing requests to be defunded and all the rest of it. And the electoral system is not fit for purpose. So America isn't even the greatest mm. democracy. We still don't have a definitive answer as to who the president it's hopeless, is. It's hopeless, isn't it? How, how bad can you be accounting? It's hopeless. There are court cases going on across five different states. Mm. Uh, votes are still being counted. Right. And this is the, the, the country that gave the world Coca-Cola, Levi's jeans and the iPhone. It's yeah. like, can't they do better? It, well, you would have really thought so, wouldn't you? Mm. Do you know, I found that happening quite a long time ago because I moved to New York when I, when I was 23. Uh, it was 1983 and Britain was in a hell of a state. Mm. Thatcher had come in, you know, but we were still recovering from the 70s. Sick man of Europe. Sick man of Europe. Nothing worked. You know, you couldn't get somebody to put a phone in for you. Never mind, yeah. you know. Uh, get yourself a, a piece of uh, computer equipment. And I moved to America, and America was this great shining beacon on the hill, as Ronald Reagan used to call it. And it was Reagan's era. Yeah. And America was amazing to me. You know, it was New York City 24-7. Everything was open. You get whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted it. All the bars were great. Everyone was terrific. They, you didn't get, you know, would you want? No, you can't have a sandwich. It's off post too, mate, you know, <laughs> and all yeah, that. Yeah. And it was this fantastic country that had incredible sort of, you know, planes that flew everywhere. You know, you didn't just get on a bus to go somewhere. You got on a plane to go somewhere. Great hotels. I mean, it was fantastic. And then later, I moved back to Britain in the 90s and I started visiting America because my sister lives there and my kids lived there as well at the time. And I was just, it's just getting worse and worse and worse over mm. the course of mm. the sort of 90s, all mm. the way through into the turn of the century. And the trains suddenly started crashing, yeah. which yeah. they never did. Mm. Planes were kind of not as good as they used to be. And it all started to sort of turn. And the roads are crumbling. The, road, the, the infrastructure yeah. has yeah. never had any money spent on the it for, for decades. There. And the homelessness now, I was in L.A., what, 18 months ago. I've never seen anything like yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty we bad in New York in the 80s. But, you know, you kind of thought that's because it's New York. Yeah. Now it's everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And there's a terrible kind of sense of foreboding. Mm. Well, there's a homeless city in, in what is the richest state in America, yeah. which is uh, California, yeah. around Venice Beach. Yeah. Is, there are tens of thousands oh, yeah. of people. Yeah. It's a small well, city. I'm told now Manhattan is a kind of no-go zone. I mean, my sister mm. still has a flat there, but she's rented it out now because she doesn't have to go to work until probably back end of March mm. um, in an office building. But they've rented out all of the, the, the sort of empty hotels to the city, full of homeless people, people are getting accosted in the street, you know, because a lot of the people who are homeless in America are, you know, not very well. They're mentally unstable, mm. you know, or they're drunks or they're drug addicts. And apparently New York City now is like a zombie, a proper zombie apocalypse, because all the people who would normally be living there and walking around have just left mm. and left this kind of husk behind. It's and the truth sad. is that we need America to prosper. This is not an anti... American uh, rant. No. You know, it's, it, I adore America. All, all of my musical and comedy heroes are American, American culture, American industry. There's my iPhone. You mm. know, it's given so much to the world. But it's just in a, in a state of China, crisis. Well, yeah, probably. I was just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> ironically, mm. ironically. But, you know, there, there is so much talent in America and they've got to get this right. And the first place to start is, is the electoral system. In the end, a country is not fit for purpose if it cannot defend its borders if it cannot collect taxes mm. from the public and if it cannot run elections, free and fair elections. Yeah. This is sounding no. very familiar. <laughs> why Why mm. different states have a different policy on uh, postal ballots mm. is mystifying. I know. And, and Mind you, but the federal you know, system is quite weird as well because, you know, you yeah. can have the death penalty in Mississippi, yeah. Yeah. but you cannot have the death penalty mm. in New York. It's gone backwards and forwards, you know. So right. where you commit your crime could lead to your death. 
Well, exactly. Just, pretend, just depending yeah. on a 10-mile yeah. difference. If anybody is a fan of the idea of the United States of Europe, have a look at the United States mm. of America, because we've seen that democratically it's not coherent. No. You mentioned human rights are different in different states. Yeah. Uh, but also COVID strategy was different yeah. from state to mm-hmm. state. Now, hello, America's one country. It's one landmass. So it's a bit ridiculous for you know one state mm. to, to lock down and the other to stay open. Yeah. I mean, the only mm. thing that I can say that's good about all of this is that I did predict that this would happen. I alone mm. was the predictor that Donald Trump would claim victory before he'd actually won <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. and would then argue about it for about the next two months, which is exactly how it's playing out. Well, I but think it's, it's, not, it's not pretty, you know, is it? No, it isn't. I, ultimately, I, I'm sure that, you know, there might be some arguments about the veracity, the accuracy of that result. But I feel in, in relation to Donald that the fat lady hasn't just sung. She's finished a three hour concert at Carnegie Hall. Uh, the, the margins are just too enormous I think enormous it's going to be difficult, isn't it? It, it yeah. is. No you know, if, it was, if it was genuinely close, um, I think he'd, ha- he'd have some moral authority here. But Joe Biden has won the popular vote by in excess of five yeah. million. Yeah, but that doesn't matter, though, with well, respect. It, well, it doesn't. But, but you can't claim um, some kind of leftist agenda in relation to whoever gets the White House, given the fact that the most recent close-to-call results in U.S. elections have favoured the Republicans, whether it was uh, George W. Bush mm. versus um, uh, Al but Gore. That's the system, and, though. of course, most that's, recently... But that's the system, because well, in the end... It. The places where you end up winning, which are the pivotal states, are the ones which are the closest. So that's the, by the nature of the beast. It doesn't matter really that no, you know true. five million extra people voted for, for Biden. It makes no difference at all. Well, no, it doesn't. It, it, he only needs the 5,000 extra people that voted for him. If it's in Florida by 5,000, that's good enough. Well, the big question now for Trump's supporters is what is the best thing for him to do? You know, should he now just do a complete U-turn and say... Mr. Biden, you've won and we're going to support you and get as normally presidents do. I don't think he's ever going to say we're going to support you. It's not because he's such a narcissist. He's not going to say that. No, he's never going to say that. He should be mindful of how does he get back into the White House in four years. I don't think he should bother. I think he should go off and start his, his new media empire. Right. Mm. And go mm. from there because he'd be far more effective of an em- enemy of Joe Biden's by running a right wing TV station, which is watched by 100 million yeah, people. True. You know, and mm. that would be the final sort of mm. uh, ignominy for Biden, because then he could have reporters chasing him all of his life, 24 seven until they find something big enough to get him out of office. I am eternally grateful to America for one thing, though. They've taken Harry and Meghan off our hands. That's true. <laughs> yes. That is very true. Very nicely done, Thank slipping you. them in there, because I don't believe they're going to make the list this week. Mind you, I could carry... There's always one that carries over from last week, so it could be them. My first one this week is going to be Extinction Rebellion, mm. even though it sort of dates back a little bit to, uh, to Remembrance Day last week, um, because, of course, you'll remember that terrible scene where these two bozos, one claiming to be a veteran, I'm not really sure whether he is or not, he was never really properly decided, Mm. but dressed certainly as a veteran, wearing a mask, another one dressed as a a nurse, somehow managed to get out of the the, the fence around the the cenotaph, out of the way, somehow managed to walk uh, with a wreath, which has got, you know, action now for climate change, Walk on top, and people have said, oh, they tried to step over the wreath. No, they walked on top of the wreath of the honoured dead, right, which is so disgusting, went right up to the cenotaph. They didn't have to do that. If they really wanted to, they could have just laid it on the floor. But no, they had to go and stick it right on the cenotaph, walk back over the honoured dead wreaths, and then erect some kind of, um, you know, ridiculous slogan, uh, which was pinned there for about half an hour, apparently, before the police took it down. I just think these people have got to learn that that is not protesting. It's got nothing to do with... 
um, the war. It's got nothing to do with bloody climate change. You know, that is a day for remembering people that died for that their country. That was shocking. I, I Just found awful. that really upsetting, yeah. genuinely yeah. upsetting. Um, for all the veterans that weren't allowed to go Who to the Senate exactly. and weren't allowed to exactly. march. And these are people that will probably never see another Remembrance Day. Yeah. And they were stopped by the ridiculous rules we have in this country at the moment. And yet those two I bozos spoke to a veteran last could week. do that. I spoke to a veteran last week, um, 96 years of age, I think he was, who had been in the SAS during the Second yeah. World War, right? Amazing. Uh, an incredible guy. Courage. And started telling me this story of how he was finally had to be re sent back to Britain because he got blown up. His Jeep got blown up. And he was laughing about it. He said, you should have seen the Jeep. You know, there was nothing left of it. Yeah. And I said, what happened to you? He said, oh, I was blown over a hedge. You know, but he said, uh, I can't go to Westminster because it's too dangerous. Yeah. And you're going, what? Absolutely insane. Yeah. You know, and that yeah. would probably be one of his last trips, yeah. you would imagine. Yeah. But then they also um, did some, something else the other day where they went and did another one of these kind of dirty protests where they poured black ink or something outside one of the government buildings. And the police seem to just let them do it. But this is what I, I don't understand. But this is what I don't understand. Why are we criminalising people for doing completely ordinary things? Yeah. You know, like literally chatting to the wrong person going at the wrong to a time. Shop, going a to a shop. On. Trying to go to the gym when obesity is one of the biggest killers in this country. Yeah. And yet we're allowing these people to behave like this. I don't get it. It doesn't make any I sense. I really don't get it. And it's a tragedy for anybody that cares about the environment, which I would argue is almost everybody. We all do. I mean, everybody <laughs> you know, does, surely. Nobody, nobody is saying, let's heat the planet up and let's pollute. You no. know, ultimately, if you're going to have an agenda, which is a green agenda, which saves the planet, it, it has to work within the market economy. It mm. has to be uh, a good business model, which is actually great news in this country, because a lot of our renewable energies are fantastically efficient and generate a lot of income and a lot of employment. So, it's you know, no one is saying that this is green versus not green. Mm. Um, Ironically, it will backfire horribly for XR because people who are, I guess, environmentally minded will look at that footage. And just be offended. Yeah, yeah. and then Absolutely. they'll go the other way yeah. and go, sod you, That's I'm, not right. sod you, I'm buying a yeah. diesel. Well, so do you remember what happened in Canning Town when they all yeah. uh, pulled the extinction return with decent people? Because decent people. ordinary people trying to get to work yeah. were like, you're stopping me getting to yeah. work, you know, seven, eight o'clock in the yeah, morning was, or something. Yeah. You know, and they were decent, hardworking people. Yeah. And, you know, who all have probably children to, to, to look after and yeah. who don't want to poison the earth or anything. Right. But, you know, these bozos are all middle yeah. class white kids who just think this is all great for a laugh, you know? Yeah. Shocking. The, the other big thing is that, you know, Britain is one of the greenest countries in the world. And so if well, you're we, going... we produce 2%, I think, of the world's carbon. Yeah, and it's projected to drop down to 1%. And I would say if you want to have these violent protests then why don't you go to India or mm. Brazil well, or yeah, China yeah. Uh, or, or even perhaps the United States? Yeah, glue yourself yeah. to a train in China. They'll just let it go anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that. You know. Or even go to the embassies in this country of those, yeah, yeah. You know, in this country of those countries and, and, and do something there. Mm. See how far you get. I know. But that, that cenotaph thing, really, I mean, that was the most poignant emotional cenotaph ceremony I can remember yeah, for a long time. It really I was. I really got upset. I really felt mm -hmm. for the people that couldn't be there. And then these idiots were allowed to do I that. Know. And the police just stood and watched them. I know. Outrageous. By the way, I do think one solution is for there to be a, a better political movement that supports the Green agenda. What, you mean like the Green Party? Well, for, the problem is, you know, they're, they're so... They're, they, they have one MP in Parliament, yeah. but they've got no support across the country. And I think that actually, you know, the environmentalists need to raise their game and understand we live in a democracy and work through yeah, democratic the is you procedures. You say that, Mark, and we've been talking about Boris Johnson. I mean, the Green... Green Tories 
they have become what they are. Mm. You don't need the Green Party. I mean, Caroline Lucas might as well pack her bag and go back to Brighton mm -hmm. and, yeah. and set mm -hmm. herself back up in a teepee in the mm. beach or wherever she came from. Well, because at the end of the day, you know, the Tories are now more green than the Green Party. Well, Carrie Simmons is doing a very good job of running that yeah. particular I mean, the day, the day that, that, that Cummings and all of that stuff was happening and he was walking out, Boris tweeted one thing, and it was about some bloody ocean project that they got yeah, involved yeah, yeah, in, saw that, saving yeah. the whale. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you're mm. going to go in, really? Well, mm. that's the most important thing you can think of mm. doing. What mm. I thought was really strange at the last election is that the Green Party, which, you know, in principle, if this was a party that was just all about saving the environment, you know, I'm horrified by the plastics in the ocean and uh, I'm concerned about climate change, the impact it's having already. But, you know, if that was their platform, I think, do you know what? I might give them a vote because I've had it with the Tories, I've had it with Labour, yeah. I've totally forgotten about the Lib Dems. I could be a candidate as a Green Party voter, but I looked at their manifesto and they had a policy on tuition fees. Yeah. Now, why does the Green Party have a view well, on you know, university Scotland, tuition in fees? In Scotland, right, the Green Party are, are for independence. How which does that people work? go, well, hang on a minute, what, what if I want to vote for the Green Party? Why does I have to be in an independent Scotland? Oh. You know, yeah, it's it's pipes. overreach. I mean, ultimately, the Green Party's manifesto was it made Corbyn's manifesto look uh, inexpensive yeah. and uh, right wing. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's extraordinary. It's the politics of envy. That's what they're about now, mm. isn't it? It's how very mm. dare you have a job, oh, earn yeah. money. It's you all Damon Thompson's. Yeah. It's funny, you know, it? in countries like Germany, it's all right the Green Party to fly around, but you can't. Yeah. It's, the, the, the Green Party in Germany are much more successful because they're borderline centre ground, yeah, and yeah. they've got a the big, strong uh, opinion on on sort of you know pollution and, and, mm. and uh, nuclear and energy. CO2, and all yeah, but yeah. ultimately, mm. apart from that, they're quite sensible. Yeah. Mm. And that's why people vote for them. Yeah. Well, there you go. Sensible uh, politics. <laughs> who who, who it knows? It won't catch on. Let's it hear your uh, second on. one, Dawn. Right, OK. Well, it's still politics. Is it? It's so difficult well, to it's find difficult. How can it not politics, be? It's difficult to get it? away. This, though, is the Labour Party. Ah. And uh, Keir Starmer. Scoundrels. Uh, yeah, and this is the fact that Labour Party want to introduce emergency laws to stamp out... Love that term oh, phrase, yes. very reassuring. Yeah. Anti-vaccine ah, content yes. online. Yeah. This is a good one, actually, The thought isn't it? police, yeah. basically. I know. Become, look, I'll be first in line for this vaccine. Mm. I don't have a problem with that, and anti-vaxxers are, on the whole, lunatics. Yeah. However, when you start criminalising people for having an opinion mm. and closing down the debate, which is a dangerous because it drives debate yeah. underground, as we it all know stop that. It. But it's like... You are entitled to have an opinion. You are entitled to voice, whether it's online or in reality, mm. that you are a bit concerned about how fast the coronavirus vaccine has been developed. Mm. That's not being anti-vax. No, that it's is not. just having an opinion, expressing it. Because but let's face it, it, it... But isn't it funny, Dawn, how everything now has become this polarised? You know, yeah. So therefore, if you vote for Brexit, you must be a racist. Yeah. You know, If you've got concerns about a vaccine, you must be an anti-vaxxer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and if you're anti-lockdown, you're right-wing. Yeah. You're, What's yeah, that exactly. all about? Why, yeah, why is that? No, it's absolutely. not political no. and it shouldn't be. No. 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 But I mean, uh, while I know thalidomide isn't a vaccine, OK, everyone, before you start texting and messing me, back in, back in <laughs> the 60s, um, you know, Francis Kelsey... Dr. Francis Kelsey raised concerns about thalidomide. Mm. And under Labour's rulings, mm. she would have been criminalised and probably thrown in jail yes. for daring to voice yeah. doubts about that drug. Mm. Now, we all know what happened with thalidomide. Absolutely horrific. Yeah. And so why are we trying to shut down debate? Because we are shutting down the scientists who know what they're talking mm. about, not just the anti-vax lobby. Yeah. And it's just a dangerous, dangerous thing. Well, it road is, because also down. it doesn't ever stop. I mean, as we've seen with the whole lockdown policy, you know, they're already now saying, oh, it might not be working, so we might have to do it some more. You know, a bit more, a bit longer, a bit harder. Yeah, but you we're know. calling it tier um, four. 
Yeah. Rather than lockdown. Yeah, okay? yeah, of course. And that, as long <laughs> course. as you call it something different, yeah. that's fine. You know, like a fire break, as they say in Wales. Fire break. That's what they had. They that's didn't Pakistan, have, isn't they it? They didn't have a yeah, circuit they, they breaker. They had a fire break. And no, then... that's Welsh. Listen, I used to work in Cardiff. I did a very good Welsh accent. <laughs> well, you didn't spend you enough know. time there, though, did you? I did, actually. But I only spoke to English people. No, that's not true. <laughs> what um, happened is they had a fire break. We, we in England, we had a fire sale of the entire British that's economy. That's right. Yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. exactly. It's still yeah. going on. Yeah. No, but, I mean, you know, it would start with that, and then suddenly there would be something else that you wouldn't be allowed I to say. I just find that appalling. It's very, very I creepy. We are criminalising ordinary, everyday behaviour. We're criminalising people having opinions. Right. I thought Keir Starmer was a human rights lawyer. Well, wasn't he? Yeah. But he um, wants to shut you down if yeah. he doesn't like what you say. If you don't like, yeah, yeah. Doesn't sound very human rights. You can have an opinion it? as long as I agree with it. Yeah. Well, indeed, and we know that there are some very worrying uh, aspects of legislation in Scotland around freedom of speech. Oh, yeah, the hate crimes. The hate yeah. crimes, you yeah. know, which is a, a deep you concern. You shot your dad for having a bit of an opinion that's not so very you fashionable. Can, you can go to dinner with your family, you know, back in the day when you could do that sort of thing. What? And have a conversation and be nicked for it. Yeah, yes. Uncle, uh, you know, Uncle Bertie's got had a couple of sherry's too many, and he said the wrong word. Right, that's it. Throw the police. Now, you know, yeah. can you imagine? Uh, uh, like, like Dawn, I, I am. I'm pro-vaccine because I have two children and I am just so grateful that there's a vaccine for MMR, all of which are serious diseases and people's sort of wacky theories mm. about autism and all the rest of it, completely unsubstantiated, means that some people are not taking or giving their kids yeah, this I'm, vaccine, which is proven over many decades to be effective. Yeah. And some of these awful diseases like mumps, yeah, but you're not measles, gonna make people, you're not make people any more convinced about it if they've got doubts by banning no. ever considering well, talking exactly about right. it. And then, of course, it's right? great news for the conspiracy theorists who can then just They'll assume just say, yeah. there, is, so there is an agenda. I mean, we get people, whenever, you know, we've had a few problems with the YouTube feed this week, you know, whenever it mm. goes off, there's people going, they've been silenced. They've yeah. been censored. Yeah. That's it. You know, you go, no, actually, it's just a problem with one of the cameras. No, no, no. We know what's happened. But, You've but, been but, censored. But I, must have, I must confess, I did that last night with BBC One. Panorama yeah, what happened? Because I saw that there was some BBC problem. And BBC One went down completely. Did it? Yeah, absolutely. Really? Just, uh, they had a technical issue. Now, I think given the issues with Panorama recently, mm. from 25 years ago, oh, I yeah. think it was the ghost of Diana. Ooh, just putting whoa. that out there. Oh, I like just it. putting that out there. Interesting. Yeah, in mm. the days when um, Panorama was an honourable programme. Oh, no, sorry, it wasn't. It was run by Martin Bashir, that yeah, guy who, who, uh, who acted like the worst and kind of, very uh, news of the world reporter. Uh, in the history of journalism. Yeah. Unbelievable. Used and abused a very vulnerable young woman. It's also extraordinary Where that Keir Starmer is worried. He was in uh, Plank of the Week last week, by the way, Bashir. So we can't put him in this. No, no, no. It's, it's extraordinary that Keir Starmer is worried about a potential propaganda influencing a debate, given the fact that, <laughs> that the Tories and Labour have joined forces yeah. to create a complete culture of fear yeah. in this country, yeah. that people are afraid to step out of their houses because right. they're going to instantly die yeah. from coronavirus. Yeah. And, and therefore, it's like, well, it's not even an equal contest. The, 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 the craziest of the anti-vaxxers have no chance of pricking the bubble no. uh, that is uh, the, the bubble of fear that we're all currently living in. Um, in the end, you've got to have free speech. Speech. And uh, what you do is there will always be consequences, radio, and that's fine. What we can do is have uh, anti-vaxxers on our shows, and we can challenge them, and we can make them look well, that foolish. Make more what sense. we don't do is shut them down. This no. is the way to do it: to have that debate out there and open up the debate, so you have sensible, sane people, possibly not like used to, yeah. but then 
saying, no, this is the actual yeah. scientific fact. Let's hear what you've got to say about that. Right. That is the way to go forward. Then it gets rid of the conspiracy yeah. theory. But I think the trouble is, there was always conspiracy theory. There will always be conspiracy theory. I think it seems like a bigger thing now because yeah. of social media. I'm not even sure it is a bigger thing. Well, this but is I think it. there are just an awful lot of people making an awful lot of noise about yeah. it. Yeah, but this is the other thing with this ruling that Labour want to bring in. Um, they're talking about the social media platforms. So is Twitter going to judge whether my opinion is yeah. worthwhile well, exactly. or not. Exactly. Twitter? Well, they do, uh-huh. don't they? I mean, they've already been under fire for, for blocking some of the political stuff in America. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like they, yeah. They, when Donald Trump puts a tweet out saying he's won, they put a little rejoinder out yeah. which says, you know, this um, information has been challenged by the electoral authorities yeah. or something like that, yeah. you know? So they're already doing yeah. that. You know, they're already, it's they're already the decide end, it's the thin what end you of, can say and what you mm. can't it's say. It's the thin end of the wedge because I think we can all agree that, that we're not on the side of anti-vaxxers. But at what point do you go from anti-vaxxers to lockdown sceptics? Yeah, yeah. And at what point uh, is anybody that questions the cosy COVID uh, consensus a, a dangerous yeah. nutter? Well, and I mean, that's say, a direct example, quote, by the way, from a Labour MP on yes, Dan Wooten's show yeah, yeah, who yeah. called Dan Wooten dangerous yeah. uh, for and challenging yeah. these and measures. Yeah. And a nutter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the bit less said about that particular Labour MP, the better, I think. But, um, you know, he blocked me very shortly thereafter, funnily enough, and I think he blocked everyone from talk radio. He hasn't know, blocked me. A bit like Emma Kennedy. Because I said he had nice pants. Oh, did you? Remember he infamously posed in his pants. Well, that was to... why he blocked me, because I retweeted that original oh, right, picture okay. and said, you know, this is the guy who posed in his pants. And the mm. most disturbing thing about the posing in the pants picture is what's on the shelf behind him. Yeah, I don't know. Don't, 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 don't describe Do it again. No, By the way, if, no. Ke- if Keir Starmer wants to uh, really identify the enemy when it comes to sort of dangerous propaganda, yeah. he should look at the platforms that carry all of this nonsense and amplify it. And that would be Facebook and Twitter mm. and these other sites. Mm. Because ultimately there are algorithms built within the uh, Facebook platform uh, that, that, that uh, actually send these mad theories to people that might potentially agree with them mm. and they share them with their friends and you have an echo chamber. So well, really, what, it's what, Mark Zuckerberg that's the enemy yeah, yeah. if you want to find well, him. Well, yeah, that's, no, that's where they want to ban it all from. Yeah. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Let's have your second one. 
I'm going to offer you Ryan John Butcher. Are you familiar with his work? Uh, I'm not. I'm sure he's a really decent guy. Mm. He's a journalist. Okay. And he's an editor at Pink News, okay. which is an excellent news platform. Is it? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's not something I see on a regular basis. I can't <laughs> say I subscribe, but it's, it's, it's a decent... Not that there's anything wrong with subscribing. It's a decent paper. Sorry, it's very good, yeah. Um, however, Ryan John Butcher came unstuck this week mm. because he went after David Baddiel. Oh, yeah. Who I think we can all agree is a pretty talented guy, successful children's Well, author. I don't actually think he is, but that's another story. Right. Okay. Yeah, he yeah. liked my up. joke, he can do no yeah. wrong. He liked your jokes and now you love That'll him, do. Right? He's yeah. a stand-up so comedian. I, I'm so shallow you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> I think perhaps what we can agree is that he's certainly had a kind of enduring career within the world of comedy. Love him or hate him. He certainly has. He's you can't around. deny. You can't deny his career, that's he's for not sure. a flash yeah. in a pan. So he tweeted something uh, political and it was a joke. It was clearly a joke, uh, which I thought was quite a good gag, actually. Mm. So I'll just quote it to you. I'll just change one of the words. Yeah, OK. It's a family show. Yes. Um, but David uh, Badil tweeted the following. Why exactly is Carrie Simmons opposed to the appointment of Lee Kane? I can only assume it's because Boris is having sex with him. OK. Right. Now, that is uh, clearly a joke about Boris Johnson being a little sexually It's not very funny, incontinent. by the way. I mean, this is my point about the deal. It's not hilarious, is it? Really? No, it's not but that it's, funny. it's obviously the shorthand is that Boris has a bit of a checkered love life. Yeah, yeah. He's got a famed libido. Right. And it focuses on that. Yes. Um, an editor at Pink News has responded on Twitter. Ah, oh, good. We're at the must be having gay sex stage of Johnson's government. Uh, It's the year 2020, and I'm once again reminding comedians that belittling leaders by implying they're gay is simply homophobic. No, for heaven's sake. Now, the reason why this bothers me, it's one thing. Really? It's one thing to not have a sense of humour, and that is a problem now with wokeism. Yes. Is that? This is almost deliberately not having a sense of humour, isn't it? Well, this is actually not understanding the joke. Right. So we've gone beyond. Do you not think it's willful though? It's almost like he wants. He doesn't want to understand. You're looking for offence. You're looking for offence everywhere these days. Yeah, but I think exactly, and I think such is the level of tunnel vision that this person, who I'm sure is a decent guy, let's not make it a character assassination. I I see Ryan as a sim. Of You're a only kind calling of, him a plank. It's not that bad. Well, no, but I mean, I see it as a symptom of people out there waiting to be offended, but also now actually sort of ignoring the truth or not even seeing the yeah. truth mm. of a joke uh, because of an agenda. And I find that very troubling mm. because that's nearly like propaganda. Well, that's mm. another one for the Labour Party where, you know, there are things you're not supposed to say, you know. <laughs> and obviously, if you say it, therefore you must be a horrible person because of what you've said, yeah. which you have willfully misunderstood. Yeah. Unless, unless, unless it's anti-Semitism, well, that's completely fine. That's we'll right. go with that. There's nothing going on there. Yeah. <sighs> I still find that a bit puzzling. That whole investigation by Shami Chakrabarty. Well, she's gone very quiet. She's gone really quiet. How's that going? That investigation. Yeah. Well, well apparently she didn't find anything. So you know, no, nothing there. Well, nothing but, to see here. Pre-lockdown, back in the day, I used to be a comedian, right? Do you remember when you'd have like a comedy club yeah, with yeah. people packed together, right. drinking beers and laughing? I just don't remember him being funny, do you? <laughs> No, no, no. No, I'm like David sure. Baddiel. I've been, I've been getting away with it for years. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm deeply concerned, actually. Sense of humour is an acid test of a decent society. It is. Absolutely. And actually, it's the acid test of, of a public figure, of a politician or, or, or anybody in, in a leadership role, such as the editor of an online newspaper. If we can't laugh at ourselves, then that, that is actually a big, big problem for society. You yeah. know? Because when you laugh at yourself, it means that you're willing to back down from an argument and that you have self-awareness. Yes. And, and also you realise, actually, that it's, it's all rather ridiculous. It's a bit silly. The idea that anybody takes me seriously, for example, I find ridiculous. They don't get it when I'm sort of occasionally making fun of myself on social media yeah. and Twitter. Yeah, 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 yeah. They think I'm actually being real. 
because you know you have to have a certain level of subtlety to get it and most people don't get it and they just think you pompous git you yeah. know which is hilarious well i, I edited did, did a tabloid for 15 years if yeah. you can't laugh at yourself doing that you seriously are in trouble everyone's got to laugh at themselves and my my twitter bio says rear of the year 2007 yes which uh, i shock, thought that was true horror. well you know i mean i was I definitely it. yeah it's got a nice bounce my, my, yes. my rear was better 13 years ago but it wasn't quite carol vorderman no um I, somebody chose to abuse me online and one of their uh, lines of attack was <laughs> and, and he's still boasting about rear of the year. Yeah. No, serious. Yeah. So that's where we are. Oh, mm. my Lord. I know there is there is some some bad stuff going on out there. Speaking of people with no sense of humour, I'm going to go for Matt Hancock. as my second <laughs> nomination. This is a guy who, when he was asked about the original Game Changer, which was, of course, the NHS app that we were going to get, um, when he said that he was also going to not only have the government's version but he was also going to co-opt the apple version as well he actually said uh, i'm from newmarket so i know a thing or two about backing both horses and you go well first of all if you're going to horse racing you don't back both horses you back one horse Correct. usually because only one of them actually can win if you want to back seven horses at the grand national that's fine but if you're gonna make an analogy about horses because you're from newmarket you should really get it right, shouldn't you? Mm. Yes, and also... If there was a two-horse race, you wouldn't back both of them. You can back as many horses as you want if it's your money. But it turns out it's our cash. Right. Well, this is the issue. And also, and all the horses yeah. are actually lame, it turns out, and they're not running anyway yeah. because that's what's happened. Yeah. You know, we now have a Prime Minister who's holed up in Downing Street because he was pinged, even though he doesn't have anything wrong with him, no, even though he's already right. had the disease, even though uh, there's no threat to anybody else if he goes out. He's going to stay in for 14 days. But Hancock gets it this week, not just for, for generally being a bit of a pompous buffoon. He also gets it for him. saying on Judy Hartley Brewer's show, effectively, that Carl Hennigan, who is a very well-respected and incredibly well-read and well-researched medical um, professor, was basically lying about the yeah. data. Yeah. He was yeah. asked if, in fact, uh, he would take on board some of Carl Hennigan's recommendations. He more or less said, well, we prefer to follow our own data as if, you know, he's following somebody well, else's the, the, the data. that's hideously out of day. He um, effectively gaslit Carl Hennigan yeah. Uh, yeah. But by describing him as an outlier. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it was, it was offensive. Which is a bit like calling him a nutter. Yeah. You know, it's a slightly more generous version of nutter. He also refused to rule out the idea that if you don't want to have a vaccination, which you both said you would anyway, yeah. uh, he would not rule out forced Compulsory vaccinations. Compulsory vaccinations. Compulsory vaccinations. Hello? In the 1930s. I mean, really? Really? I mean, you know, I've had this conversation with a couple of people and as much as I understand that it's a movable feast and you can't make predictions about what the future is going to hold, there are certain things I think as a cabinet minister you should be ruling out. Yeah. Like compulsory vaccinations yeah. Yeah. or, you know, shooting people with a firing squad if they refuse to be vaccinated. You know, you'd rule that out, wouldn't you? I feel like or I'm, living, maybe not. I feel like I'm I think, living in East Germany. Yeah. I really, I really do. Like I think a couple of themes have been um, running throughout this show. One is about sort of personal freedom and liberty and another is about our inability to have a grown-up conversation about yeah. anything. Mm. And I think we should have a conversation about COVID measures and about vaccines. And ultimately, the Prime Minister rightly said that he is, what do you say, bursting with antibodies? Yeah. Okay. Mm. Apparently I didn't we like have... the image that created. No, 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 I don't want to think he's, he's bursting. bursting. I don't want to be bursting. He's bursting with a lot of stuff, <laughs> which is TMI. Yeah, it really mm. is. But ultimately, you know, he, he admitted he, the cat's out the bag that once you've had COVID, you're not going to get it again. There are five reported yeah, cases five. globally. Yeah. Now, I'd love to have a look at those five cases. Right. You know, the statistically, based on margin of error, you can't get COVID right. twice. Pretty much. And therefore, hmm, there's a surprise. Maybe all the healthy people in our society should be able to get it 
just like you get the flu every well, year. Well, maybe loads and of then people you're have. Not, then you're not COVID positive yeah. anymore. Well, as somebody pointed out, technically speaking, if he's burst, bursting with antibodies, that's what he would well, can be. Can we just stop with that phrase? Sorry. All right, shall we say is he, what? Is he, is he heaving? Overflowing. Oh, yeah, no! Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, is he about to pop? Seeping? Stop it. About seeping? Leaking. Leaking. So, okay, no, boys, boys. No, I think you stick with bursting, mm, to be honest. Okay, yeah, fair All enough. Right. Bursting with antibodies, right? Isn't that the same as having been vaccinated? Because that's what a vaccine yeah. gives you. Yeah. So effectively, he's also vaccinated against COVID. Yeah. And yet he's still not going out. Well, it's a free Which vaccine. Which means vaccines don't work. Pe- people, people getting COVID is a free vaccine. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're 85 and have asthma, you do not want to get COVID. No. no. And uh, if I'm in that situation, then I'm, I'm like, I'm first in queue for that vaccine. But I wonder whether in time it will be up to people to decide whether they trust their immune system and other health factors in relation to whether they have the jab or but not. But you know, you know what's going to happen, don't you? It, it won't be compulsory. It will be backdoor compulsory. Yeah, I mean, you won't be able to travel. Point. You won't be able to go to football. You right. won't be able to go to theatre unless you've got a certificate mm. or a microchip, yeah. conspiracy theory, um, saying that you've had the vaccination. Right. And I don't really mind that. That's not the same as compulsory vaccination because... Um, it's very, very different in some ways. You know, if you go to certain countries, you yeah. need to get vaccinated to go there. Yeah, sure. You know, I had to get cholera when I went to India. I had to get, I think I had yellow fever as well. I mean, it was awful. Um, and if you go to certain parts of Africa, you have to take, mis- um, you know, malaria pills. Oh, yeah, horrible And all that things. kind of thing, mm. right? So I don't really mind that because if you don't want it and you feel so strongly that yeah. you don't want that, yeah. then you just don't go. Yeah. So that's simple. travelling. It's not going about your everyday life. Will it get to the point where supermarkets won't let you access to that store unless you can flash an identity card saying you've been Maybe. vaccinated. Uh, by the Maybe. way, here's another thought, folks. Um, I believe that the scientists, uh, the sage scientists, have, have lost the dressing room in relation to oh, the British total. public yeah, and yeah. our belief in them. Yeah. And the problem you've got is I don't think we'd have been having this vaccine chat six months ago because when COVID-19 started and um, if the medical advisors said, look, there's a vaccine coming, everyone would be like, happy days. Yeah. But now we don't trust mainstream no, science. No, 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 so in other not. words, would you take Chris Whitty's word for it no. that this jab is safe? No, I wouldn't. Look, if he That's told, the trouble. If he told me it was raining, I'd have to go and check. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. I mean, that, and brolly. they've done this to themselves because they have emerged as these ridiculously overcautious individuals who, yeah. if they could, would prevent everybody from doing anything which was in any way risky. They're like those kind of insurance um, salesmen, aren't they? Where they go, well, you can't have a, you can't put a window there because you know it's too high up, and you know, I'm afraid we can't uh, insure you for and that. And I think because they're all so frightened, protect their own backsides of legal action coming further down the line. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. And I hope somebody does it. I really hope somebody with more money than I've got, actually sues them for this. Mm. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, I think there will be some businesses when they do yeah, finally absolutely. go under. I really hope so. But will not go, only that, Do you know what? So. You've forced us into bankruptcy. Yeah. For the abuse of our children, yeah. for the abuse of our old people, yeah. the yeah. lives they have cost yeah. by being so useless. Well, I yes. don't want to sound grand or, it, it, you know, it sound like I'm exaggerating, but I think there's a chance an entire political generation will be wiped out. I think, Boris, I agree with you. Yeah. I think he's toast already. I think Rishi Sunak has saved his own bacon by being a kind of privately locked down sceptic voice within the cabinet. He's made it clear to anyone that will listen that he's been pushing back on all of the COVID measures since day one and therefore positioning himself to be on the right side of the argument Mm. when all of this is done. Mm. Maybe. Let's have your, uh, your final nominee. Number three, isn't it? Yes. And it's me, isn't it? Is it? 
I, I thought can't it was remember. Dawn. I thought it was me. Yeah, it yeah. is me. Yeah, why just... am I looking at him? I don't know. I don't I was know because he because he talks a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah he does. Talk also, about, he's yeah. got that magnetic personality. You're immediately drawn. <laughs> or maybe you're just repelled by is he me, and so you look the other way. with magnetic he personality. Yeah, he is actually. Yeah. Mm. Okay, I'm putting my glasses on to make me look more intelligent. Go on. Um, because my Too late. final. Why you can't say that? Sexist. Any case, my final nomination are going to be. The Metropolitan Police. Oh, yes. However, it does apply to other police forces around the country mm. as well. Yes. Uh, the Manchester City Police Force as well. Who the Dorset to... ones have The got Dorset it, ones got are in trouble. Well Sorry to people in Dorset, that was really bad. Yeah. Um, but the Metropolitan Police, obviously, I live in London. What really upset me at the weekend was they put a tweet out encouraging people to grasp anti-coronas oh, rule yes. breakers up. Mm. Now, I live in Tower Hamlets, one of the poorest boroughs yeah. in London. Mm. We have kids selling drugs on the street corner. We have them stabbing one she another. Have those bike kids Absolutely. Up on the and, back wheel. and no one says a word, not enough police. You you get in any sort of trouble, you have your house burger, you get a crime reference number. Yeah. They don't but even come around. But the time to tweet this out, grasp your neighbour mm. up and we'll be around like a shot. Yeah. Probably more banded. Absolutely amazing. I was really, really angry. You will angry. find no more fervent, passionate supporter of the British police Absolutely. than me. And I actually supported the applause for NHS workers on a Thursday night. But then I, I thought it was a double-edged sword because what about the other public sector workers? What about the military? What about the prison officers? Mm. And what about the cops? The cops have drawn, drawn the short straw during this pandemic because they have had to uh, enforce unenforceable, ludicrous rules, which are confusing. Even they have constantly yeah. got to double yes, check absolutely. Well, the case the rules in Dorset, are. funnily enough, the case in Dorset was of a guy who has now been compensated uh, and has had his name sort of exonerated because he was arrested by the police because he went to a supermarket. I think it was an Aldi's. Yeah. Uh, wasn't wearing a mask, uh, was confronted by the staff. He said he was exempt. He didn't have any paperwork. And they asked him why, what his yeah. exemption was. And he had, I think he had asthma. Yeah. Um, and but, the police were yeah. called. The police arrived and basically handcuffed him yeah. and sort of dragged him out of the shop. Middle-aged um, couple shopping, you know, weren't they, together? Yeah, and the wife turned up with her, with, showed his, um, his, you know, the, the, the thing that they used to, um, you know, puffer. breathe, the puffer thing. Um, and uh, because Inhaler. it didn't have his name on it, mm. they didn't believe it was his. And, and so, all, you know, you yeah. just think, I mean, I, yeah. I totally get that the police have got a difficult job and it's hard enough for them to do what they do. And we've already talked about Extinction Rebellion, but they surely must in those situations be able to make a judgment. You know, you don't need to handcuff no, the guy. You don't, you don't, you don't need, need to, to shove him into a car like no. and arrest him no. and take him to the no. station and charge yeah. him. You just say, look, this is causing a bit of a scene. Yeah. It would be really helpful if you just let your wife yeah. do the shopping. Yeah. Would you mind waiting in the car park? You know, it's, something it's like just that. Common. I you don't know? know about that. I think that the government's measures are such a, an example of overreach. For me, overreach is a catchword of this whole pandemic. Mm. It's over. We've done too much to destroy the economy to control this COVID death toll. It's awful death toll, of course, but forgetting about the resultant damage from these measures. And I think that the police are just doing their job and it looks absurd at times, especially the numbers. So in Essex, at the beginning of the second lockdown, I counted on a video 12 officers trying to uh, unilaterally close down a gym. Yeah. And it's like, why do they need so many yeah. cop cars, yeah, so exactly. many, this so much personnel? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, as Peter Hitchens said, he's, we're always being told there's a shortage of police officers, oh, I know. you know, yeah. but there's no shortage but of them the in these situations. No, yeah. And but so I that. think, you know, whilst I put that caveat in, I couldn't be a greater supporter of the police and they do a difficult job. Uh, they are being made a mockery and they are now losing public confidence as a result of the laws they're enforcing. And so in the end, it's going to be a big headache for Cressida Dick and all of the police yeah. forces post pandemic when I think our regard for cops 
will have dropped. Yeah. Because, yeah, we, we have a respect for the police in this country. Mm. I still think most yeah. law-abiding yeah. people do. And that, like our respect for scientists and SAGE, is being eroded. Yeah. Yeah. You now don't trust right. them. You, you, you don't believe a word they say. They're heavy-handed. Well, because it's this country like... is based on people behaving in a reasonable way. Yes. And if people start behaving in an unreasonable way, then that's a problem. Well, it's policing by consent, yeah. and now we're being policed by force yeah. for not even breaking criminal laws. And, and the authority of the police is being undermined, which is fatal, and it will take some yeah. winning back after the pandemic. Mm. And I interviewed just a couple of weeks ago a, a retired detective uh, in Seattle, and both of his sons went, went into the police force because they uh, loved what their dad did yeah. and they wanted... Yeah. And he said that their job is so much harder than his was 20, 30 yeah. years ago because of all of the anti-police sentiment. Yeah. And it's making their job almost impossible. And we're, we're risking doing that to our own right. police exactly. here. Well, we saw what happened summer it doesn't take much you know another no. long hot summer police being lured into areas of, of britain yeah which were, were basically run by gangs and mm. then being set upon yeah you know being kind of, you know that's what they do in america but, all but the they time were going into they the, make them come they into, were going these, into these areas armed with nothing but a high-vis vest i know and then running away i know i know it's absolutely shocking but that's a good one so your third i'm going to offer you philip schofield yes and the reason why is because what happened on this morning on ITV was another of these gotcha moments that the mainstream media is so keen on. Mm, this is, this yeah. is the kind of low-hanging fruit moment in an interview where you try to catch a politician out or some other commentator uh, with a really spurious question that's not massively relevant to the wider debate. Yeah. You know, it's a gotcha. Mm. Um, and uh, on this occasion, Andrew Neil, who I think essentially enjoys across the political spectrum he enjoys the respect, respect of everybody you know whether doing. you're to the left or to the right uh, we all know that this guy eviscerates all of his interviewees mm. why yeah. the bbc got rid of him i will never know mm. um but he was feared well, i think we all know the answer to that <laughs> we probably do yeah. the wrong politics well he never recovered from his carol cadwallader tweet did he maybe not you know maybe not. when he called her the crazy cat woman yeah, and that's, uh, you know, that's inappropriate. But but ultimately, I mean, it was very telling when Boris Johnson was happy to be interviewed by everybody during the last election Apart campaign, except Andrew, Andrew Neil. Yeah. Yeah. So that doesn't tell and you that he's Morgan, a, a masterly uh, broadcaster, then nothing will. And he appeared on This Morning, and he was interviewed by Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby, and he was criticising the Extinction Rebellion uh, stunt, mm. the offensive as we stunt. Have done. As we have yes. done, yeah. And uh, Philip Schofield said, are you, are you um, a climate change denier? <laughs> and it was just a low point yeah. for political interviewing. I mean, I don't know why. Well, I wouldn't call that uh, a political interviewing, really. Well, no, I, I mean, don't know the why. The idea that, that Andrew Neil, one of the greatest interviewers in the world <laughs> that ever has been, is being interviewed by Philip Schofield. I mean, who would have written that well, script? Well, I, I think this morning is a good show and I enjoy watching it, but they should stick to makeovers and recipes because ultimately this was a case of Philip Schofield wading into uncharted waters out of his depth outrageously. Yeah. And well, it he's was... just denying stuff. He's denied his sexuality for years. Well, you know, I, su I, I applaud him for coming out, really? definitely. And I think that when you've had a career and a long marriage and then you have to sort of grapple with that kind of thing, that's not easy. Well, you should stay away from interviewing people like Andrew Neil. But, but, yeah, but please right. don't, whatever, you know, his, whatever his training has know, been. Know your place in the kind of hierarchy yeah. of TV interviewers. Um, and it was just, a, it, it was an embarrassing moment and I thought it was also a reflection on how so much of what happens in political interviews now is about sort of the cheap, shallow, uh, gotcha moment mm. and it's mm. not great for discourse or learning anything from no. the person you're interviewing no 
talking about distrust again, like we have with the police and with the scientists in SAGE, people are now distrusting the mainstream media. Mm. They're distrusting yeah, they are. sources and they a good should reason be for trusting. That. Yeah, but there is a good, a good reason. reason but what are you listening to instead? Are you listening to social Talk media? Radio. <laughs> that's yes. why everybody's coming here. Well, of course here. I do. No, that's absolutely. why everybody's coming here. I mean, it's yeah. no accident. I'm not just blowing our trumpet here. But people are listening to talk radio because they see it as something very different. And it shouldn't be very different. I mean, we're not actually doing anything no, which you're, is incredibly you're, no. uh, unusual. No, what we're actually doing is allowing people to have opinions, not abusing not them for having them opinions down. that we don't Absolutely, like. Yeah. And actually letting them say what they want to say. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, I must say that talk radio has gained an extraordinary amount of traction online and through social media yeah, by, uh, by not being right wing, left wing, lockdown, skeptic, pro lockdown, but, but, but just being a place where all opinions are welcome and aired. And some of the sort of lockdown skeptic voices on your show, of course, mm. uh, fantastic. Um, What's it called again? On, no, but we know the, the Independent Republic, yeah. but, but Peter Hitchens oh, yes. on your show, you know, and uh, uh, I, well, I've sort of spoken well. to he's, he's an amazing Cummins. character, he's yeah. Neil, you know, yeah. and he's but, but, a very cautious and very, um, you know, concerned individual. You know, he's well. not some, you know, rabid right wing maniac, no, which no. is what some people review uh, talk radio as because that's what they think it is. But actually, that's yeah. not what it is at all. Well, no, so talk radio hasn't done anything particularly special. It's just been a, a place where all it's the things are welcome. Humble. I know, but... But what, what it hasn't done is sort of just tagged along with the kind of government agenda no, of but, making but, everyone but also, afraid. As what Dawn was saying about people's lack of trust in, in other media, it's because they don't really believe that they're being fair because the other yep. media that people see is very biased it is and biased. it's very slanted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we saw the BBC the other week doing that report from Liverpool. Now, the news that day had been that the, the infection rate in Liverpool was, was going down. Mm. They did a huge, like, really scurrilous and, and kind of fear-mongering report mm. about how they were about to run out of beds. Mm. Absolute nonsense. It's nonsense. By the way, the really important thing is, if you're an interviewer, why don't you just probe your guest and uh, why don't you ask sensible questions which is what happened on Julia Hartley Brewer's breakfast show this week which I think uh, produced one of the really big moments of politics in the week. Julia is the is the interviewer who got Matt Hancock to admit that um, potentially this vaccine could be mandatory yeah mm. you know and and she didn't shout at him no. She, no. there were no gotcha moments no. No. she just probed him and she asked the same question several mm. times and at no point did he say it will Never be mandatory. Well, the whole and that point of interviewing yeah. the whole point of interviewing people is to get them to say what you want them to say, yeah. without trying to make them say something they don't want to yeah. say. And it's about listening to their yeah. answers and not sh- not shouting them down. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Now we're running very late here, guys. I mean, it's oh, been very enjoyable, gosh. but you know, I'm going to have to rush through my final one, which is Peter Morgan. Now. I don't know an awful lot about Peter Morgan, except that he has written uh, some of the most successful television um, and movies in the world that have ever been. Frost Nixon is one of his, apparently. Uh, but he's also the writer of The Crown. But I'm going to take issue with him. I don't know th- much about The Crown because I only started watching it this week Me for too. the first time. Right? There's four series. I've always kind of studiously uh, ignored it just because it's not really for me. I used to work in Fleet Street like Dawn. I spent more time following members of the royal family than I care to mention. I've been at you know cocktail parties with Prince Edward, for God's sake, in Nova Scotia. I mean, right. that's how bad oh, it got, dear. you know, because that was when in the days when they couldn't be bothered sending anyone from no. London. It was very funny, actually, because I was in this cocktail sort of line of receptions, you know, and he was meeting the various members of the press. And there was somebody from the Halifax Bugle, somebody from, you know, the Toronto Star. And he got to me. And he said, and who are you? I said, I'm Mike Graham for the News of the World. You've never seen him run further across <laughs> no. the other side <laughs> of the world. He thought it was all the local press. But anyway, 
But the, the Crown, which is, to all intents and purposes, a docudrama about something that actually happened, right? It's a story of a royal family and all of the various things that happened to the royal family. But it's partly history in the making, you know? Now, I don't have a problem with a little bit of dramatic licence at all. Yes. However, yeah. this guy Peter Morgan has admitted in a series of interviews for this most recent series, which is all about Charles and Diana, which is relatively recent... Don't forget, of course, that Harry and William, the sons of Diana, are still supposedly scarred by her death. Harry doesn't seem to mind that, you know, Netflix are paying him bucket loads of money mm. uh, to do a, a series on him while they traduce his mother and father yeah. and make out that they were a pair of absolute maniacs and, and adulterers and, you know, nutters, effectively. He's admitted that he basically made loads of stuff up. Lots of things that didn't happen appear in The Crown as if they mm. did happen. Now... That gives an impression to an awful lot of very gullible people, many of them watching from other countries of the world, that these are actually true this, events yeah, that happen. And yeah. I think, and as much as, yes, it's only supposed to be television and it's only supposed to be entertainment, I think that's quite dangerous. And I think he should be much more responsible mm. about what he portrays because it's not as if their, uh, their, their relationship wasn't crazy enough. I mean, why would it's you have to true, make stuff up? True. Do you know but, what I mean? But it is a drama, Mike. I know you I, say I, that. It is a drama, and but the, the problem I have with you is that people are seeing it as fact. Yeah. Even sensible grown-up people I mean, like the scene where, where he first meets Diana and she's dressed as a nymph or something, hiding behind a pillar. Mm. Apparently that never happened. Mm. He's just, he's just made that up. Mm. That's quite an important mm. part well, the of the show, Well, the people that it? hate the royals uh, want to believe it's real. It's an agenda, isn't it? But Peter Morgan is, is a British sort of screenwriter and playwright, and he's an example of a self-loathing Brit. Mm. The way that he's willing to rewrite history and Do you think he might be a Remainer? Well, he's definitely not, <laughs> he's definitely not pro-monarchy. Uh, in the end, though, I think there's a halfway house. So you have dramatic license, but you also have a duty of care to history and to some I truth. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly, yeah. particularly if the individuals that you're writing about are still alive. Well, exactly. Yeah. And many of them are. And yeah. of course, don't forget, by the way, if, if it wasn't royals that were being written about, but celebrities, they would all be suing yeah. as we speak. Well, the Queen never complains, never explains. Yeah. Which is not a bad but Mind, in a way, you, it mind you, Harry and Meghan do quite a lot of suing, yeah, but well, not in this case, are. obviously, no, because there's too much money involved. But no, but that's because <laughs> they're not proper royals, you know, but, but the real proper royals, like the Queen and Prince Charles, they would never litigate mm. because they're, they're above that, which yeah. is why they're, they're fit for, um, for being heads of state. Mm. You know, and that's why I'm afraid Harry and Meghan weren't. And I'd say it's no great loss to the royal family, those two. But um, in the end, it's, it's actually pretty offensive, some of the footage in this series. Yeah. Uh, not only are a lot of the royals a soft target because they won't sue, um, there are people featured in this story who aren't even alive anymore. Mm. Princess Diana tragically lost her life mm. in Paris all yeah. those years ago, the late 90s. Was it 1998? 97. 97. 97. And uh, she's not here to defend her own legacy, but her, two her own sons reputation. sons are still here, yeah. and they have made it very clear that they were both pretty damaged by what happened, they as were, you would not yeah. be surprised to yeah. know. Yeah. So I think it's pretty awful for this guy to just run roughshod over that and just think it's OK mm -hmm. to make things up. Yeah. Why would you do I, that? I must admit, I do watch it, and it, like you, it's the first episode of The Crown I've watched because we worked on it, we covered it, yeah. I lived through this. Um, I interviewed Diana. Um, uh, the rest of it previously was costume drama, but this is real. And I do wonder what the Queen's thinking... Mm. What Harry and William? I mean, you know, say what you want about Harry, but this is his mum. No, I know. And his dad. He really doesn't need to see her, you know, throwing up in a toilet, does he? Uh, well, that bit makes me very uncomfortable as well, because while I appreciate, you know, with bulimia, you need to get the horrors of that illness, there are also people going, hmm, not a bad idea, is it? Oh, and that's how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fine yeah. line to tread yeah. with I just, that. I just think it's tasteless, at least. Yeah. And at worst, it's actually, I would say, criminal.
And in the end, it's it, it, these are human beings and it's people's lives. Yeah. yeah. But it's also history and it's our history. It's our country's yeah. history. And this is being put out there as if it happened. Mm. And well, it that's did. right. Would the Americans be up in arms if there was a biopic about Abraham Lincoln that was as offensive? Well, how about if it was about Michelle and Barack Obama? Well, yeah. that would you know, be definitely, when their kids that's are no go. affected by whatever it is. I mean, but yeah. you wouldn't be writing about that and making stuff up, would you? No, yeah. that's and no I'm go. sure that Barack Obama word, was no, no angel in office either because he's a human being and all human beings are flawed. Well, exactly right. You know, I'm so sorry you're such a pessimist about that. You know, I, of course, uh, do not have that view. I'm now, not flawed. We have, we have been here anyway. for quite a long time, so let's get on uh, with the final oh, tally. Golly we've got a nine now. We've got to go from three to one. Gosh. So um, my three, you can pick one. Uh, Matt Hancock, Extinction Rebellion, Peter Morgan. Who would you fancy? Mm, okay, brilliant. Oh. I think I'm going to take... I, I feel Is it just Tim or both he of us? Picks. Right. I, he picks. I, I pick you and you pick I, I his. Think, I, I think that um, sort of, you know, between Boris and Matt is a scoring draw. So I think we we'll to let you have Boris. And that's why for you, I'll take Peter Morgan for essentially profiting on the back of the memory of a dead woman. Okay, I think that's a good choice. But I, yeah. may, I may not pick Boris, of course, because the delight of this game is that only I get to choose the, which one of her oh, three goes forward. It's like chess or poker. It is. Or the similar. US elections. Very it's similar. Inconclusive. No, it's not. We get a result here on Cake of the Week. And <laughs> no, it doesn't I demand take three a recount. Months. So, Dawn, your three? My three were Boris Johnson, um, Keir Starmer and the Labour Party, and the Metropolitan Police, although other police forces are included yes, in it's this. It's got to be Boris, isn't it? I, can't, I cannot I'm, shirk. I'm, Boris this That's week. a very wise, a very wise Particularly decision. just before this event took place, he tested negative and he's still in there, <laughs> yes. right? Mm. So Boris for me. So now you get he, to pick Mark. testing negative since December 2019. <laughs> <laughs> so Boris it is. And I offered you a choice of Uncle Sam, the symbol of, of America, uh, and um, the pink news editor with no sense of humour. Yeah. And also, last but not least, I'm delighted to offer you Philip Schofield. Oh, yes. Oh, this got is tricky, moment. isn't it? I, I'm sorry, I'm going to go with Uncle Sam. I think I'm that's going a good to choice. Go with America. Okay. I think that's a great choice. Yeah. Because it is, I mean, you know, last week, understandable, you know, because there's a bit of trauma after the first uh, election day closes. But second week, we're we not really mm. anywhere nearer. Mm. No, oh, I yeah. Think, I think, so Uncle Sam, Boris, and uh, Mr. Morgan. Not Piers, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> first time Morgan's been in it that's with, with, with not the first name of Piers. So this is a bit collegiate now, so it's up to you guys to... Uh, oh, to we've pick. got another couple of hours to sit and yeah. discuss it then, obviously. And I, mean, I, be, and I, I think this will be the shortest bit of our chat. I find it hard not to make Boris Plank of the Week, to be honest. I think Boris, I'm sorry. And I, you know, I'd, I'd like to win. And it's Boris. I know you like to win. Yeah. You do like I don't that, like you? losing. There's so. nothing, nothing more competitive than Dawn Neeson with Plank of the Week. You know those murder trials when it takes the jury 11 minutes to yeah. find that yeah, person yeah. guilty? Boris. I think that's what we're looking at right <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Boris. guilty as charged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I guess I would make um, maybe Uncle Sam number two. Mm. Would you go with that? And Mr. Yeah. Peter Morgan? I think Morgan. so because I think that it matters to us in the UK that America does well and thrives. And at the moment, the opposite's yeah. happening. Yeah. Okay, so so Peter Morgan, number three. So I'm delighted to say, Prime Minister Boris Johnson, you are Plank of the Week. Well done. You can come out now. Well you can come out well now deserved, to, deserve to get your Plank Award. Yeah. Uh, Dawn Neeson, uh, Mr Mark Dolder, thank you very much indeed. We'll see you soon, I'm sure, on Talk Radio. Uh, we'll be back next week.